last week was at a wedding. Um, the wedding was in Hot Springs, Arkansas, uh, and if you, you would never realize it by being outside right now, uh, but our weather was a little bit different a week ago, right? Um, right now, 75 degrees, it feels like a good, good, humid spring day in South Louisiana. I think the plants are sweating, everything's great. But a week ago, or two weeks ago, uh, it was freezing, right? We know our brothers and sisters in Texas, if you have friends or family in Texas, um, that there, there was a whole nother ball game for them uh, with the snowfall, with bro- busted pipes, being out of power, being out of water, all those kind of things. Um, so hopefully all your family and friends that you might know in Texas are okay. When we went up, uh, I went up to this wedding, uh, was kind of paying attention to the weather, trying to navigate around the snowfall and everything as best as I could. Um, but there was really no missing it. Uh, I took off, I left from here on a Friday, on a Friday morning. An 11, what should have been an eight-hour drive was an 11-hour drive. Um, when we got into Shreveport, coming out of Shreveport, I-49 was shut down, so they brought us a back roadway. Uh, and as we were going through Shreveport, it was at least kind of plowed, but still ice and snow everywhere, until we turned this one corner, And all of a sudden, the road in front of me was just iced over. There was no more plowing. There was no more nothing. Um, Somewhere between three and six inches of ice for the next 40 miles. Uh, I'm a Cajun. I can drive in rain. I can drive in mud. I ain't touching ice. But it's what was laid out right in front of me. So for the next two hours to go 40 miles, we averaged 20 miles per hour, if my math is correct. I was in four-wheel drive low and trying to make my way in a Jeep with 18-wheelers either coming right behind me or flying past me. Needless to say, I was a little bit anxious. I was a little bit uncomfortable. I was a little bit nervous. The kicker in the whole situation, my mother was sitting in the passenger seat. And if I was a little bit anxious, a little bit uncomfortable, and a little bit nervous, my mom was a lot of bit anxious, uncomfortable, and nervous. Um, watch out! No, uh-uh, don't start that. Do not. Get out of my car. Uh, the, when, the fra- when the phrase in our, my vehicle was uttered, uh, I have seen this in a Lifetime movie, that, I said, get out. It was a rough, it was a, it was a rough trip, to say the least. For two hours, going, going 20 miles per hour. An uncomfortable situation. My, my, my white knuckling my, my, uh, my steering wheel. Nervous and anxious, just hoping not to lose control of the vehicle. There was a spot on my GPS that as I was going, it was saying that I would be able to turn off at 35 miles from where I was to get back on the interstate and keep going. So as I was driving, I was counting down every one of those miles. At, 50, at, at 30 miles, okay, this isn't so bad. At 25 miles, I'm just getting used to it, it's still pretty bad. At 20 miles, mom be quiet, quit nagging. At 15 miles, mom be quiet, quit nagging. At 10, at 5, still anxious, still nervous. Longest two miles of my life was when I was two miles away from the turnoff. Get to the spot, turn, and I see the sign on the, on the on-ramp. 
road closed. A cop was there, said, sorry, you got to keep going. Turn around, get back on the road. That was the closest I ever got to crying behind the wheel of a car. <laughs> Once we hit the state line, it was, it was like a rug was poured out and I went onto hardwood floor. It was across the state line, ice, perfect pavement. At that point, I started thinking a lot of things about our elected officials, but we're not going to go down that road today. But for two, for two hours, it was just intense anxiety and discomfort. And the moment when I thought that I was going to finally have a reprieve from my suffering, if you will, from my problem, from my discomfort, what happens? Keep on going. You're not done yet. I think for all of us, as we, as we continue in our life, as we continue in this Lenten season, there's a lot of moments that we can find that kind of discomfort, that roller coaster of emotions. I just want to get off. But just keep on going, just keep on pushing. When we get into the Lenten season, the purpose of the Lenten season is for us to be able to refocus our attention on God. To refocus the things of our life and put our gaze back on the Lord. That happens through our prayer life. And when we jump into the Lenten season, it's one of the main focuses of Lent is for us to dive into our prayer life. But so often, the bad road of life, the struggle of life, the different, the different anxieties and worries and discomforts that we have in life can pull us away from focusing on where we're going. I think there are two major spaces. I think there are two major reasons why our prayer life doesn't always pick up the way it should. I think there are two things that we have to remember when it comes to our personal prayer life that we have to keep in front of us at all times. The first one is that no matter how rough the road, no matter how much we feel like we are or are not in control, no matter what anxieties and worries and struggles and hurts that we have, that when we pray, the first thing is, God is there. God is present in our prayer. Our world's noisy. Stuff in life, the details of life, often can distract us, can pull us away, can help us, make us refocus somewhere else. But, but the one thing we have to remember above all else is that we have a God who is concerned about us. That when we pray, He is listening. And He makes good on that promise. So that when we pray, God is present. He's completely focused on you. As I said on Ash Wednesday, over half of Catholics don't believe we can have a personal relationship with God. And this speaks right to it. Because if I don't believe that I can have a personal relationship with God, what does that mean? Then why on earth should I pray? If He's not going to be there, if He's not going to care, if He's not going to be concerned about what is going on in my life, then why would I give time to that? Today in our first reading, 
Abraham. We hear about, we, we know this story, but Abraham's background is a, little bit, is a little bit spotted. Him and Sarah, his wife, prayed for years, for years, for decades, that they would have a child. They wanted, above all else, that they would have a child. Their struggle was that they were infertile. Their struggle was that God was not listening. They felt like God had abandoned them. They felt like God was never going to speak and going to fulfill the promise that He made to Abraham. That He would have descendants as many as the stars in the sky and all these other things. Abraham was really questioning if God was present to him. And in today's Gospel, we hear that not only had He given him a son late in life, But now God was going to test him. God was going to test Abraham to see, does does Abraham love the God who gives gifts or does he love the gifts that God gives? Let me say that again. Abraham was tested to see, does he love the God who happens to give a gift or does he love first the gift that God gave him? So God says, I want you, Abraham, to sacrifice your only son. If you really love me, you'll sacrifice your only son. Now that seems like a bold thing. Like, God, that's not fair. That's a child. That's his only child. That's the thing he wanted more than anything else. But Abraham is faithful in, in, this, in, this, in this command. Recognizing that God's not going to kill his son, but he, he, he still goes forward as hard as it might be. And we hear the story. Stop. Don't. Abraham shows a faith that God is present. That God is going to remain present. That God is going to be there. No matter how crazy the command, no matter how big the struggle, no matter how hard the hurdle, no matter how little he's in control or not, for us, how often do we want? How often is it that we start to question if God is present when we're not in control? How often do we start to question if God is present when anxiety and worry flare up? How often is it that we start to question if God is present when suffering, real, true suffering? enters the picture in our life. Loss of a loved one. Sickness. COVID. So often we can find ourselves in a place like Abraham. And our faith is tested. But we have to hold on to the truth that we believe in, that our faith proclaims. That no matter what, God is present. The second thing I think that holds us back in our prayer life, I think sometimes that we lose sight of, if you will, is that God is present, yes, but I have to be present as well. I've got to show up, I've got to make time. With, with, with all due respect and with, with where you might be in your life, I want to ask one simple question. I think everyone here, if, if I would be to ask you personally and privately, I think everyone here would say that prayer is a good thing. 
that prayer is a good thing and yes, we should do that. Right? I think everyone here, if you're coming to Mass today when, when we don't have an obligation, like I, I, would, I would imagine that every one of us in the pews today would see that prayer is not only a good thing, but it's also something we should probably do. Right? I'm ask one question with all reverence. How much time this past week did you give to prayer? It's a really good thing. We should do it. But how much time this past week, quiet time, only you and God, phone aside, TV off, how much time this week did you unplug and give some time to God in prayer? If that's a lot of time, awesome. Beautiful. If that's not so much, that's okay. Because I think what happens a lot of times, and this isn't your fault, I think, it's all, I think it's our culture's fault, is that there's a lot of good things that we should do, but a lot of times those good things that we should do don't become things that we actually do. We should diet. We don't always do that. We should exercise. We don't always do that. I probably should quit smoking. I probably should quit this. I probably should quit that. A lot of times those are Lenten penances or New Year's resolutions and we say these are the things we want to change. Those are good ideas, but we don't necessarily put them into action. There was a study that was done, there was a, or an experiment that was done on the campus of Stanford University, and what they did was they sent two letters out to people. They were doing an experiment to see if people were generous. Again, I think one of those we should do kind of things, I should give to the poor, or I should give to a food drive. I think we would all agree that giving to a food drive is a good thing. So what they did on the Stanford University's campus is they sent two letters out to these, groups, to these two groups of students. And they said in one letter, they put all the general information of the food drive. They just said, one day this week, we want you to go to this drop-off point and drop off a canned good or something, a non-perishable food item. Very general letter. Just gave them kind of what they were supposed to do. Out of all the students that they sent it to, 4% of the students responded and showed up. Only 4% of the students gave. Well, they were, they were told all the information. I got a feeling that when they read that letter, they thought, that's a good thing. I probably should do that. There was a second letter that was sent out. And the second letter was very specific. The second letter gave very, very specific rules. It said, bring one canned good. It said, bring one canned good. It gave the exact location of where it was going to be, and it said, this week, look at your week, when are you going to be passing by that drop-off point? 35% of the students that got that one answered. What was the difference? Where, how did it go from, it's a good idea, something I should do, to turning into an action that they actually did. Well, these students, it was specific. Now, it's not to say that us in our prayer life aren't, are going to be perfect. We look at our Gospel today. Peter, James, and John are brought up the mountain. 
They're brought up and they see Jesus transfigured before them. What transfigured means is that He had an image, a, a glimpse of His glorified body shown to His disciples. That Peter, James, and John saw a little foreshadowing of Easter Sunday in front of them. That they got to see Jesus face to face glorified before them. This miraculous scene in front of them. So much so that they don't want to leave. They want to build tents and stay there because they see how amazing this moment is. Yet Jesus still puts them, brings them back down the mountain and keeps going. And they forget what they see. Because they're going to go up another mountain in a couple of weeks after they have the Last Supper. And those same three are going to fall asleep. Because they're not going to recognize that to get to Easter Sunday, there's a suffering that they have to pass through as well. That to see Jesus glorified on Easter Sunday before them, they have to pass through a suffering. They lose sense of the details of what is in front of them. Of what's been promised. And they fall short. In our prayer life, if we're trying to avoid falling short, if this Lent, we want to continue to grow. Or if you haven't really started this Lent, it's okay. Or if you started it and you kind of, and it, it kind of slowed down and the, you, your zeal kind of petered out, it's okay. We're gonna, we're, we have an opportunity to kind of restart. To kind of re, to, to refocus on the discipline of prayer. The difference between those two sets of students at Stanford was that one, it was general. It was a good idea. That's something I'd like to do. The others, they planned it out. They knew when. They knew, what they, they knew when they were going to go. They knew what they were going to do. For us, this week, as you approach this week, Where's 15 minutes that you can give to the Lord every day this week? Might be right before the kids wake up. Might be right after they go to bed. Might be your lunch break. Wherever it is, where's 15 minutes that you can give to the Lord this week? Somebody, when I said this one time, said, Father, why don't you give them five minutes? I said, five minutes, this is the thing. Five minutes is how much time you give to somebody when you're trying to be polite but get rid of them. Somebody calls you, you give them five minutes. And then, okay, yeah, i got to go. I don't think we want to do that with the Lord. Where's 15 minutes of, of space that we can give to the Lord each day this week? If you're looking for something to do with it, well, we, 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 if, you, if you picked up one of Father Mark's books that we have, The Lenten Companion, use that. If you don't have that, go with the Gospel of the Day. For 15 minutes, pray with the Scriptures in front of you. Or pray with a devotional. And just let the Lord speak to you. But if we don't plan it out, it's probably going to just stay a good idea. Something that we hope to do. But if we do approach, if we do commit, I promise you by next week, if you do 15 minutes a day, every day this week, by next week when you come to Mass on Sunday, your relationship with God will be stronger than it is right now. It will change the way you approach the Lord. God can work a miracle in 15 minutes.
When I was driving back from, when I was driving in Arkansas, there were a lot of reasons not to have space. There was, a, there was a lot of reasons not to stay focused on what was in front of me. Whether it be sliding on ice because I was kind of out of control, whether it be my, my anxiety that had me looking at the, 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 the pavement five feet in front of me or the mirror to the car behind me or being afraid of the 18-wheeler flying past me, whether it be the nagging that I heard in the, in the passenger seat. Don't tell my mom I said that. Well, it's on Facebook now, so well. <laughs> Whatever it was, all of these pressures, all of these things can kind of push in on us. Our life is more busy today than it ever has been. It's going to be absolutely hopeless for us to have a prayer life if we don't schedule it. If prayer is, something, if prayer is more than just something we want to do that's a good idea, if prayer is going to be something that actually changes who we are and how we approach the Lord, this week, let's make it the first week, maybe ever, or in a long time, or the next week in your life, that you give intentional time to God. I promise you. If we do it where you are today with the Lord, it will be better in a week. It'll be better than that the week after. God wants to have a personal relationship with you and I and happens in our prayer. Anytime we pray, God is present. We just have to make ourselves available. Amen.